If we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor? You don't have to believe certain things to be part. The irony is that you can be pro-guns, pro-death penalty, pro-military, anti-environment, and still say you're pro-life. But people get really uncomfortable. It's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn. They want to do both. I don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? It is summer, and what better to do with summertime than focus on getting in shape and getting your health in check. Best way to do that is with Angie Niska at Rise Nutrition, who sponsors all of these wonderful Jesus Never Ran podcasts. You can find her on Facebook at Rise Menominee. That is Rise with a Z. I am your host, Matt Kinzera, and today I want to let you know about one exciting new collaboration project that I'm engaging with. It is going to be starting in the very beginning of August, so I'm going to give you all the information today, and I want to start by introducing you to my friends from Arizona, from Desert Voices. I have shared my story quite a bit on this podcast over the years, so I don't want to belabor that at all, and I don't want to bore you with it anymore because that's not the purpose of this podcast to highlight Matt. But I do want to highlight the reality that the reason I started this podcast, the reason why I sat down in my old retro camper on the back of my property and pushed record on my computer is because when I started questioning a lot about my faith, a lot of people now call that deconstructing our faith, right? So when I started doing that well over a decade ago, the biggest problem that I encountered is that I felt like I was the only one that was asking these questions. And so I would maybe put something out there to some people that I was working at, at an evangelical church, whether it would be about the LGBTQ community or about the concept of heaven and hell or a myriad of other things. It seemed as if when I would try to engage in those dialogues and those conversations, they were quickly shut down. And it became obvious to me that that wasn't a safe or acceptable place to be having these conversations of faith, which when you say it out loud sounds crazy, right? But it was just true. And I know a lot of other people, many of you included, experienced the same thing in your life. And some of you are experiencing the same things right now. So I started this podcast almost as this platform for me to just start talking about it believing that maybe it was possible that I wasn't alone in my doubts, in my questions, and in my meandering mind. And I've quickly found that that was true, that there's a lot of us out there. And now in this past year, it's just exploded, these dialogues online and in books and things like that about people's deconstructing process. And it's not that we're deconstructing away from faith, we're deconstructing away from an unhealthy version of faith. 
So when I do these podcasts, you probably can assume this, right? I am either in my office at home or the other office that I have in town, and I just sit by myself in a room with a microphone in front of my face, and I just talk. So I'm just talking to my computer screen right now. As we speak, Matt is sitting here with a microphone in front of his face, a computer in front of him, nobody else in the office where I'm at, just talking all by myself. And it was wonderful because I obviously do a number of interviews. And so sometimes I'm staring at a screen with somebody else's face looking back at me, which is nice. Every once in a blue moon, I get to do that interview in person. But that's pretty rare because I'm talking to people from really all over the world. And it is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's exciting. But it's lonely. (laughs) And I'm a person who loves to be alone. I'm a bit of an introvert at heart. But you can't have an actual conversation by yourself. The other thing that I realized is that I've just felt a little bit like the little engine that could. (laughs) I've just, I've felt like this person that is just beating his gavel against the toxic nature of the evangelical church all by myself in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I know that's not true. I know that there's a lot of us out there that are having these same conversations and are now starting to do something about it through all sorts of avenues. But I'm not going to lie, like week in and week out, it has felt a bit lonely. And that is only amplified by the negative kickback that you tend to get when you're in this space because people that are still in the traditions that we speak, I don't want to say harshly, but that we speak against some of the theologies, mostly the evangelical church, but also sometimes the mainline churches as well. You know, when you speak certain things, there's people that want to, you know, contradict what you're trying to say, whether that's through a message on social media or whether they want to get together. It's a pretty normal occurrence in my life when a local pastor wants to connect with me because they're, I don't know, they they usually portray it as, you know, wanting to know more about my thought process. And, And I think that's probably true for the most part. But at the end of the day, they're trying to figure out, well, what the hell are you doing? And they, like I, know that people are leaving church every single day. And so I think they're honestly trying to trying to get a handle of it. But the reality is, is over the last two years, I've gotten a lot of harsh kickback. But I've also gotten so much beautiful feedback. And that certainly has overwhelmed any of the negative criticism that I have gotten in my life. A number of months ago, I did an interview on this podcast with a young woman. I call her young because she's about my age. <laughs> a young woman by the name of Shalene Kendrick. And you know, sometimes when you just run into people and you can tell that you're talking the same language and you could just talk about these things forever and it just works and you're bouncing back and forth. Well, that was the way it was with Shalene when I interviewed her on the podcast. And it was amazing because many of you as well noticed like the the great camaraderie that we had, this, this great professional banter that we had going back and forth on that episode. And so after I got done producing that episode and putting it out, I reached out to Shalene and I said, hey, I don't know if you feel alone like I feel alone, but maybe we should start to try to somehow collaborate. How can we be more interconnected? And she was very excited about that concept, said that she had other people that were interested in that as well. And that started this journey that I am now on with Desert Voices. So 
I don't want to give too much out about what Desert Voices is because we're going to share that a little bit more when we launch this new version of Desert Voices in a couple weeks. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do, because let me explain why we're trying to do it before I tell you what we're trying to do. Some of the comments that I'll often get from people is not just that they appreciate these conversations, but also that you, like I, miss a lot of the pieces of what we used to have when we were a part of faith communities. So many of us in this community, in this circle, this Jesus Never Ran circle, many of us have left church, right? Not all of us, but many of us. And some of you who haven't left church still go to church, but feel, you know, feel disconnected on some level. So it's a fairly regular occurrence that I will hear from somebody about what they miss about being part of a regular church community. One of those things is obviously just gathering together with like-minded people. And I get that. Like there's something about church and coming together that is so very special. And then there's also that thing that we we maybe still do or at least used to call like spiritual disciplines. Most people of faith, especially in the Christian tradition, most of us enjoy reading and we enjoy devotionals and we enjoy looking into what the Bible says. And if we've left now what we used to know, so if we've left those evangelical circles, we don't know what we can use for that. I mean, I used to be a guy who every morning I would pick up a Christian devotional and I would read it and I would consume Christian books and I would listen to sermon after sermon online. And then when the podcast world opened up, I would listen to all these great, you know, messages from evangelical voices in our world. But now at this point, it's like, what do you use? Like, where do you find a more progressive faith or Christian or Jesus following type of devotional? How do you pick up the Bible and make any sense of it? Because we're so skewed by what we've learned over the last however many years What kind of books are out there that we can actually read that will not only help us deconstruct, but also help us reconstruct? So my friends, my new friends, Shaleen and Ryan with Desert Voices, we started having this conversation and saying, you know what? The three of us, what we do is we produce content. I'm a public speaker. I'm a podcaster. I'm a writer. And and they are in those same spaces as well. And we're all in little different versions of those spaces, but we're all content creators. And we all have the same heart, mind, and vision for where things are going in the future. And we want to be a part of this new wave of Christianity that is just coming over our world in huge waves right now. So what we're going to do at Desert Voices is we are going to work together, not just the three of us. We're going to collaborate with as many people as make sense or just trust that the right people will come in the room. But we're going to collaborate together, and over the next several years, we're going to begin creating and collecting content that we can all feel good about so that we can navigate this spiritual journey. That's why it's called Desert Voices. We can navigate this journey in the desert together and we can have some tangible resources to do that with. Again, make sure you jump on board with the upcoming work that we're going to be doing so you can hear more specifically of how we're going to do that. Before I give you the details of the Desert Voices information, I want to introduce you just briefly to the two people that I'm going to be collaborating with. The first one is Ryan Lambros. 
Well, I am uh, I am here in the desert, literally and spiritually. Been in Arizona my whole life, born and raised. My parents were born and raised. Their parents were born and raised. We've been here a long time. So I've been married to my wife, Jessica, for over 11 years. She's a licensed professional counselor, uh, owns her own private practice. She specializes in trauma. Uh, that means two things. One, I've never won an argument in our marriage at all, and never will. She reads people for a living, so she does read me. And then we have two crazy boys, Weston, who's 10, and Maverick, who is 7, and they are insane, and they live up to their names, and they're polar opposites, and they, yeah, they're insane. So, a lot of my stories have to do with those two boys. Uh, I, I resonate with Desert Voices because I've never left the desert I've tried multiple times. Uh, I was raised in a very strict home, very loving, but very strict, uh, high patriarchy. Uh, my dad, whatever my dad said, went. It was his way or the highway. And also raised in very strict fundamentalist type ways of, um, I could not leave the house without my shirt being tucked in, belt on. At the time, my shorts couldn't go to my knees. Now it's in fashion. Back then it was horribly embarrassing because it was long shorts that were the uh, the trend, but it was very strict. And also raised in a church that was very hyper-Calvinist, hyper-reformed. And I was always the rebel. Uh, I had an older sister who was perfect. She never did anything wrong. She was the, the angel child, and I was the rebel. Um, I always asked questions, and that got me into a lot of trouble. And uh, was homeschooled, and that has a whole nother world. And you'll hear lots about being homeschooled my whole life. So from kindergarten through high school, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so that was fun. But then went to college, and long story short, got jumped into mega church pastoring. So I got kind of duped into an internship with students and fell in love with youth. And that became my journey and was a youth pastor for 11 years. But then my theology on paper couldn't answer the question of life. And specifically within my wife's own story, which you'll hear later, and her story, me trying to figure out how God and my theology could make sense of her story, um, because she has a story of past sexual abuse, and um, theology couldn't answer that, and my belief structure couldn't handle it. And so, that that sent me on a journey uh, to ask really tough questions, and I compare it to The Truman Show, if you've ever seen that movie, when Truman sees the it's the elevator scene. He goes into an elevator, but they make a mistake, and he sees this crew of people eating, I think, donuts <laughs> at a table, and he's like, what was that? And they, they cover it up. But once he sees that, you can't unsee it. And so that was the kind of the same thing for me in my life. Um, and that really sent me into transitioning to being free to be me, because I'd never been allowed to be me. I had to be something or someone or believe something or some form of, of theology that I actually just never was. And so, uh, transition for me to be me, uh, to be a stay-at-home dad now, and to champion my wife and her owning her practice, um, to invest in my kids and to be there for my boys, um, and really to then just love people by being in their corner. Uh, one of my mentors said, Ryan, I think you love being in people's corner because you never had one in yours. And that is... Uh, has resonated with me recently, um, and I really just want to embrace 
loosely, a theology of allowing people to truly become. Uh, we're all in process. Uh, I'm in process, and and that's been my passion and journey. So, yeah, that's that's me. So excited to be collaborating with Ryan at Desert Voices. He is just such a genuine human being with an amazing heart and so much to offer. I know you're going to love him as much as I do. And then the other collaborator that I'm going to be joining with at Desert Voices is, as I already mentioned, Shalene Kendrick. I, similar to Matt and Ryan, grew up uh, raised conservative, Republican, evangelical, uh, went to Scottsdale Bible Church, was deep in the mega church world from day one. And that created a lot of really, for me, psychologically damaging and toxic theology, specifically as a woman who's passionate about Jesus Christ, passionate about preaching and teaching, to be told that on the basis of my femininity, uh, that I am not equipped as a leader within the church. And for me, it's always been deeply wounding to hear that um, from my own father figures, from the women in my life, and from the power structure that is. And so deeply psychologically damaging to every person, specifically um, those who identify as women. And so if you come from a complementarian slash misogynistic paradigm, I cannot encourage you enough to exit those structures of oppression um, for the sake, first of your own psychology, but also for that of women around the world. So my shift, I want to focus more on that. So I had a profound experience 10 years ago. We went into what we call the Kendrick Dark Ages. My third child, my daughter, um, was really, really sick. Layla, really sick. She was in and out of the hospital, diagnosed failure to thrive, which basically means she won't live, um, was on a feeding tube. So we lived in the hospital really for two full years. And um, for me, like Ryan, I love that you said that. My uh, my theology on paper, I was on Young Life staff. And so I you know, signed all the mission statements and all the doctrines. It was the one place outside of the church that allowed women to exercise spiritual gifting and spiritual leadership for me. But the answers that I had in that reformed and dispensationalist paradigm, that it was God's plan that my child be in that level of pain uh, well, honestly, is a bullshit plan. And so, uh, and the idea that I was to learn a lesson from watching my daughter wither away is a violent and horrifying God. And um, that is not a God, that's not a God I can worship any longer. And so I laid on the floor um, going in and out, trying to reconcile, you know, I got all the Christian platitudes. This is God's plan. You know, God can't give you anything you can't handle. Like pick your favorite gaslighting platitude and insert it into that traumatizing psychologically damaging messaging. And so I laid on the floor. Like for me, I would just lay on the floor. Like I, I, it basically, I said, if there was an Olympic medal in corpse pose, I would win. We ended up moving across the country. She ended up learning to eat. It's a long story. Uh, and then we had another baby and that ensued another couple years of hardship and wrestling with God's uh, wrestling with questions. We uh, adopted and it was a really complicated adoption um, filled with humanity. There is systematic racism of which I participated in. There was savior mentality of which I am guilty of. And there's also just the full breadth of human choices from the birth family and from myself and my husband as an adoptive family, um, some good, some bad, some healthy, some unhealthy. All that to say, uh, I'm really wrestling, continue to wrestle with our, the choices we made at that time seeking forgiveness for some of those choices and unapologetic about other choices. And so it's, it's complicated. 
Um, so that was another two and a half years. And so basically it was five years in the Kendrick home of um, sadness, of suffering, of the, God not answering my questions, the theology that I had not being good enough. Um, it couldn't answer the question. It didn't answer the problem of pain that I was in. And so I found comfort in laying on the floor with the Lord. Um, and what I didn't know at the time is I had fell into, I didn't have language for it, but I fell into contemplative prayer um, or centering prayer. And, uh, and what I would do is I'd lay on the floor and I would just not want to think because anything I was thinking about hurt so bad. And so I would lay on the floor and I would just envision the hand of God holding me. Um, like I, and maybe the hand of God putting God's hand over me, like holding me like a, a broken baby sparrow. And, um, and I've never felt more grounded. I was whole, free, competing with no one. I had nothing to prove. I had nothing to defend. I could just lay in the presence of the Lord. And I felt like God just cried with me. It was the first time I experienced groundedness and solidarity. There was no fixing. It's not like I was right and the birth mother was wrong or vice versa. Now, in some ways I was right and some ways I was wrong and vice versa. So it was just this big mess, right? Like the dichotomy of black and white thinking fell apart for me. And I entered the mystery that we call God, the mist, the unknown um, those spaces, those liminal spaces where the only comfort is found in this in solidarity. And I felt like God stood in solidarity with my suffering. And all of a sudden, marginalized groups really mattered to me. The black community mattered to me. And my um, the ways I participated in systemic racism mattered to me. My my homophobia mattered to me. My um, propensity to locate myself on the top of any power structure um, mattered to me. Um, and I, I just I changed. I transformed. I think, you know, maybe maybe it's what Jesus meant when he said, you'll become a new creation because my brain became a new brain, a new creation. And so that was five to 10 years, five years there. And then I spent the last five years um, engaging my head center. So that was catch. I needed, to, my brain needed to catch up. My um, intellect needed to catch up with what just happened to my body. And so I had five years of my body deconstructing. And then I went through five years of really incredible, intense, rigorous academic study um, so that my head center could catch back up. So I could begin to have language to describe what happened. What, what is this new gospel? What is this new good news that I have stepped into? If you had the opportunity to listen to Shaleen's interview on Jesus Never Ran, you may remember that she resonates most with the element of fire. And I think by listening to her, you can see exactly, or I should say you could hear exactly what she meant by that. So super excited to be collaborating with the team at Desert Voices and becoming a part of that team. Very exciting. The way that we are going to start this collaboration is with another podcast. So Desert Voices already has a podcast. Shalene and her friend Holland started the Desert Voices podcast about a year ago. So make sure that you go right now. Just pause this. Go on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Look up Desert Voices and subscribe to it. And get a little bit of a feel for Shalene and Holland and the work that they've been doing. Starting on August 9th, Shalene, myself, 
and Ryan are going to begin collaborating on that podcast. So the first three episodes in August of that podcast are going to be the three of us. So you'll get a real feel of where we're going and you'll get a lot more detailed information about what we're planning on doing. An obvious question is, will this podcast continue? And the answer to that is, of course. This is my safe haven, and as I mentioned already, I am a little bit of an introvert, and I do love doing some things on my own, and I could never give this up. As much as I love the idea of collaboration, I also love the idea of what I do here on this podcast. So yes, this podcast will continue. We're just adding more to the fire. We're adding more to the opportunities. We're adding more to the offerings that you're going to experience. So keep listening to Jesus Never Ran, of course, but also subscribe to Desert Voices. And I mean, how great is that? You get to hear my deep, soothing voice two times a week instead of once a week. It doesn't get much better than that, right? So again, subscribe to Desert Voices and you will be able to hear more about what we're doing. Another thing that we're going to be doing is creating classes and again, other materials so that we can all grow together. The, the goal of this, friends, is never to tell you what you should believe. It's just to help all of us with this process. This faith that we're all engaged with is a journey. My journey is unique and your journey is unique. They obviously intersect in many beautiful ways, but at the end of the day, this is our own individual walk with faith and walk with God. And that's part of the beauty of this for so many years, for a couple decades, I would say, and maybe even beyond that, maybe I should say my whole life, I've had spiritual leaders, faith leaders, pastors, and others Tell me what I'm supposed to believe. But when I read the Bible and when I read the words of Jesus, it seems to me that he was much more interested not in what we believe, but in how we believe. And so all the work that I'm engaging with is in that vein. How do we move forward? How do we believe and wrestle with faith and connect with the divine in a way that is loving, in a way that is authentic, in a way that is true, and in a way that is real. I know that means that what we do lacks a sense of certainty, which many of us are so comfortable with, but God is a great mystery, and that is just a part of the journey. And that's okay. I know for me, losing that sense of certainty has been one of the most freeing things I've ever experienced in my entire life. I used to feel like I was so certain about everything. Now I pretty much feel like I'm not certain about anything. But to me, that connects me even more with divinity. That connects me even more with people. And that connects me more with the world as a whole. So I couldn't be more honored and excited about this new collaboration with my new friends at Desert Voices. So again, that will be on August 9th when I will be joining that podcast. We've already recorded the episode. I'm so excited for you to hear it. So friends, be well, and until next time, keep walking. Links to the Desert Voices podcast and the Desert Voices website are in the show notes of this episode. Of course, if you want to support Jesus Never Ran, simply subscribe or follow. 
Give us a five-star rating and write a review. 